first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orson. Today we're going to be talking about a lot of wonderful films. But first, we're going to be starting with a comedy drama. I'm not really sure how to label this one, but it's an absolutely phenomenal film. It's Jojo Rabbit, and we're going to be talking about it with Catherine. How are you doing today, Catherine? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So let's get right into this. Overall, what did you think of this film? What was your initial impression over everything? You know, I really... Liked it. I mean, they made a serious topic funny. You know, I was really, really confused when I first heard they were making this into the film. And I just didn't know what to think because it's such an odd concept. I couldn't imagine the scenario of trying to pitch this. Oh, yeah, it's a film with Adolf Hitler, but it's a satire. Don't worry, it's a satire. So just want to know, overall, what's your opinion on the story and the very interesting perspective they took on it? Well, I I personally loved this movie. I mean, it was hilarious, and I did like how it was from a child's point of view. So that made it uh, funnier and, you know, less serious, pretty lighthearted, you know? Absolutely. For the audience who does not know, the film is all about the perspective of Jojo, who is played by Roman Griffin Davis, a little boy, and it takes place at the end of World War II. And it's about Jojo's experience as a boy, in a German boy, in Nazi society. And I would love to know from you, did you learn anything? Because I just learned so much about what everyday life was like in that culture and how they were raising kids and what they were teaching kids. Yeah, okay, that was pretty crazy what they thought about Jewish people and you know I mean I've learned a little bit about Nazis but not really that much and I'm kind of glad that I haven't you know but it's crazy absolutely crazy oh absolutely so I think we do need to take some time to talk about the fact that it is a satire film it's most definitely satirical and it's going to make you laugh quite a lot But it's still a film that's set during the end of World War II, and there's going to be a lot of sad moments and a lot of serious moments because this is still a Nazi society. So how do you think they balanced comedy and drama to make this film have a very consistent tone? Well, you know, I I thought that they did an amazing job with that. I mean, they made it just funny enough, but not too funny, like not like they tried too hard to make it funny but they also had enough like serious stuff to also you know yeah balance that I thought it was balanced out pretty well absolutely and I think we do have to talk about the fact that the director of the film Taikaya Watiti I'm so, so sorry if I mispronounced the name he's yeah. the director of the film but he also plays Adolf Hitler in the film who is Jojo's imaginary friend and I absolutely love that kind of arc that Adolf Hitler had in the film, his performance. I would love to know your opinion. What did you think of that character and the way he interacted with the story? Yeah, all right. Um, Taika Waititi, um, he was, yeah, so as you said, he's the director. And he's an amazing actor, actually. That accent was awesome. thought it was hilarious. And, you know, yeah, he, he was really 
good. He was also hilarious, and I loved that, like, JoJo's imaginary friend was Adolf Hitler, which kind of made it funny because they kind of, he kind of put his, like, political sway on JoJo, you know, because, I mean, he's Adolf Hitler, and, you know, I just thought it was, he was really, really good. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I do think we need to give a lot, a lot of credit to the star of the film. And that is Roman Griffin Davis, who is very young. I'm not sure how old he is, but I'm guessing less than 11, 10 years old. He's really young, but I honestly thought his performance was one of the best of the year. What do you think? I totally agree. He was amazing in that movie. Absolutely. You're listening to Kiss First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Jerry Orris from Los Angeles. And right now we're talking about the absolutely wonderful brand new comedy drama film, Jojo Rabbit. We're talking with Catherine about it. And Catherine, I also want to get into a little bit about just the themes and how they communicated it. So in your opinion, what do you think was the main theme of this film? Well, obviously treat others kindly and like don't judge them by their faith. Um, I mean, you know, gotta treat everyone kind. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And in my opinion, I really love that it was just so much more powerful because he felt as naive as the main character because it's all from his perspective. And what did you think of the rest of the cast? I mean, there's so many wonderful people. We have Sam Rockwell, we have Scarlett Johansson, we have Thomas McKenzie playing Elsa, just a lot of wonderful actors. And how do you think they all shined in their roles? Oh, yeah, they were awesome. Scarlett Johansson was an amazing mom. And, you know, Thomas and McKenzie was really good. And I also thought that uh, Rebel Wilson was hilarious in that movie. Oh, absolutely. There's just so many moments where she does something completely off the hook crazy. And it's just casual. I love it so much. But I want to know from you, off the hook moments or any moments in general, what's your favorite scene in the film? Oh, gosh, that is a super hard one. But probably when he first finds Elsa, the um, Jewish girl that's living in his walls um i thought that, that was really funny scene because he was just freaking out <laughs> i completely agree i love so much how elsa kind of pretended to be a monster creepily with her hand on the walls it was amazing i loved it i agree that was a wonderful wonderful scene and what did you think of the cinematography too because i found it really interesting you know it wasn't just a easy comedy with a lot of wide shots and basic coverage. It actually got very artistic with the camera angles. Yeah, it really did. And overall, what do you think of the directing as a whole? Because Taika, as we covered, was not only a director, he also had to star in the film itself. Yeah, I thought that it was amazing. Just He's an amazing director in general. I mean, he has directed so many movies, like, to think of one off the top of my head, uh, Thor Ragnarok, um, a bunch of other movies. He's also an actor. And, you know, and yeah, he's a really good director. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Thor Ragnarok because you can see a lot of connections with that lighthearted feel, but there's still a lot of dark energy behind the actual story of the film. Between this and Thor Ragnarok, I'm not sure if you saw, do you have a preference? Which one you like more? Oh, they were both amazing. I, I think they're equal. 
I love Marvel movies, and I also loved this movie. Yeah, I have to say equal. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it also shows that, you know, even if the story is from something like a comic book strip, a good director can still make it a really unique and powerful film like Thor Ragnarok was. And backtracking to Jojo Rabbit a little bit, overall, how many stories would you give this film and why? I would say four out of five stars. It was a really good movie. Just why? Because, I mean, it was... It was really good. Really good. And why not five out of five stars? You know, I just, you know, there was, it was very gory at some moments. <laughs> you know, I got to agree. It absolutely was. I was very much taken aback by just how much it got into it. It was very realistic when it got into the more violent scenes. So, I'm guessing parents really want to know now, what age range would you give it? I would say probably 12 to 18. That seems very reasonable. And to parents, it is definitely a very educational film to still show kids. It is a little bit on the gory side. Don't expect to go in there and see a kid's film. It's definitely not fully a kid's film. But Catherine, thank you so much for talking to us about Jojo Rabbit. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course. For our audience, it is in theaters now, so definitely check it out. I checked it out. Absolutely loved it. I'm your host, Jerry Orr, signing off. Today's show is sponsored by Merry Christmas, Lala Malama. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. For teens, by teens, and about teens. Tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express Yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. 
We've been talking about Jojo Rabbit, and next we'll be talking with Ethan and Ava about playing with fire. How are you two doing? Great, thank you. I'm good. So, Ethan, can you explain the plot of playing with fire? So, it's about four smoke jumpers who rescued three kids from a fire, and they're waiting for their parents to get back. But meanwhile, the three kids are messing up the fire depot, and it's like making a humongous mess. Oh, wow. So, this is a comedy, correct? Yeah. So, Ava, what did you think of the humor in this film? I loved it. I love a good comedy. There was a lot of humor. I would say it was mostly comedy, but it had a great balance, and I loved it. What do you mean by mostly comedy? There was some action and drama scenes in it, but most of it was just jokes and funny things happening. Well, what what did you think of the more dramatic elements in this film? I would say they weren't dramatic because they had to have a good balance of family-friendly in there. But there was just a little bit of, like, sadness in there, I would say. No. Um, Ethan, what did you think of the acting in this film? Um, it was really funny, especially how... They have three famous people, John Leguizamo, I think that's how you say it, John Cena, and I think it was Keegan-Michael Key, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Ava, who would you say is your favorite actor in this film? Probably John Cena, because I've seen him and so many things, and it was funny seeing him play this role because it was so much like his real personality. Yeah, John Cena's pretty pretty great, I'll have to admit that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Ethan, what would you say is your favorite scene in this film? So, it was one where one of the kids named Will, he was giving peanut butter to the fire, uh, fire's dog, and he uh, accidentally got it on the fire car, so then he tried to scrub it off, but then it just wrecked the car. And then he tried to use a hose to clean it, but then it just made bubbles everywhere and it got into a huge mess. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Speaking of the kids, um, Ava, what did you think of the child characters in this film? Because I know working with children can sometimes be a bit difficult Yeah, I thought actually the acting with the children was amazing because there weren't any mistakes in the film and they all did amazing. And I thought it was really cool to watch children do such a great job. Yeah, acting, uh, when it comes to acting, children can sometimes be a bit like 50-50 because there are some films with some really great child actors, so... It's good to hear good things about the child acting in this film. Yeah. Ava, what would you say your favorite scene is? My favorite scene would probably be when he first finds the kids in the fire because they are in a cabin, and he's trying to get them out of the cabin, but everything is on fire. And so he tells them that they have to do everything now, but then... 
they think they want to, he wants to be ejected, and so he's hitting the ceiling while trying to get these kids out of the cabin. And I thought that was real funny. <laughs> so, um, what would you say is, like, aside from, like, your favorite scene, what would you say is, like, one of your favorite jokes in the film? Mm, I would, I think probably just the scene that Ethan said, when Will is getting his peanut butter hands all over the truck and the dog's face was really funny. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole film. Oh, that's nice to hear. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we are talking about playing with fire. And right now I am talking with Ethan and Ava. So, you guys mentioned how this film mostly takes place... I'm assuming this film mostly takes place in a fire station, am I correct? Yes. So, how was the set design of this fire station? Because when a film takes place primarily in one location, that location better be pretty interesting. It was just basically the garage and the car, and then there was his office that I kept showing when John was working in it. And then he also has his wardrobe, which was really funny, because when he was talking with someone, his shirt was dirty, and as soon as he went through the the wardrobe, it was just instantly clean. Like, he took off his shirt and put it on that quick. (laughs) Um, Ava, would you say that, like, because, I'm not trying to be rude, but it seems like if a film, like, this film doesn't really have that much going on in terms of, like, set design, did this, did the fire station feel, like, kind of boring to you, or... Did they manage to make it exciting? It was a little bit boring, yeah. It mostly just showed, like, the main rooms, like the kitchen and the living room and the garage. That's pretty much all they showed. So, yeah, it got a little bit boring, but they did a great job of making the set. Well, that's good to hear because, yeah, I figured a set like a fire station wouldn't exactly be that easy in terms of, like, construction and making it work in, like, a film environment, especially when the humor in this film seems to be kind of, like, sporadic. That's the best word I could use to describe it. Yeah. Um, Ethan, now, I know that, like, this is, since this is a family uh, comedy How would you say this film stands out in comparison to other comedies of a similar nature? Because it's like every single scene has to have something funny in it. It's just this movie is full-on comedy. Like, they they overdid it. Like, if you were to give more than five stars, I'd give it a hundred. Oh, wow. That's a pretty... That's a pretty bold statement. Uh... (laughs) Um, Ava, do you think this film, like, really stands out in comparison to other family comedies? Because, I don't know, I feel like I've seen a lot of family comedies, so I kind of, like, it's getting in, it's getting into be one of those markets that I feel is kind of oversaturated. Yes, I completely agree. Most of the family-friendly movies have the same type of plot, but this one, I would say, definitely stands out. It was... Just, it was very unique in the casting, acting, and just the plot of the whole film. Well, that's good to hear. Um, 
Well, it definitely seems like our general consensus is that this is a pretty unique family film, so that's good to hear. And, uh, Ethan, what would you say in terms of the star rating and age rating? I'd definitely give this a 5 out of 5 stars and recommend it ages 5 to 18, and adults can enjoy too. Alright, well, if you're in the mood for a family comedy, make sure to go check out Playing With Fire. Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Merry Christmas Llama Llama. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh. Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just recently heard about the brand new family-friendly film, Playing With Fire, and now we're going to be talking about another family-friendly show called Sonic Boom Season 1, Volume 1. We're going to be talking with Ethan about the show. Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. So, can you talk a little bit about what this show is, and for the audience, it's about Sonic the Hedgehog, and as they may know... There has been a lot of different iterations of video games, of movies, TV shows, art, and everything about this video game character. So can you also talk about how it's different from its predecessors? So this one doesn't really have a storyline because it's different episodes of how Sonic's friends are helping him defeat Dr. Eggman. And it's different from others because this one has really good graphics and it looks almost real, kind of. It's just really nice. How they have all of this comedy, this good graphics, all in one disc on different episodes. 
And can you talk a little bit about your overall opinion of the show, what you thought of it? Um, it was really cool because I watched every single episode. Like, I, I, I just kept watching it. I really, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch two episodes and then I have to do homework. But I was like, wait, I should watch one more. Wait, I should watch one more. And I kept going on and on and on. <laughs> uh, the classic student dilemma, to do homework or not to do homework, as Shakespeare <laughs> once said. Now, in Sonic Boom, what was so captivating about it? Because clearly you really enjoyed it if you just marathon the whole thing. What do you think was that captivating, that entertaining about it? It's because each one had their own storyline that kept you entertained. And if, if you started to get boring, they had something to cheer you up or make you laugh. And I'm sure kids are absolutely going to love that. Can you talk a little bit about more about that? And do you think those things will be good for kids? It was really cool because I watched this one that I really like. It's called The Meteor. And it's how Sonic and Dr. Eggman switched their brains and bodies. So Dr. Eggman was in Sonic's body, and he was trying to trick Sonic's friends to thinking that he was Sonic. But it was funny because they were like, yeah, Dr. Eggman's mustache is really cool. And then his friends were like, no, it's not. And he was like, yeah, but it secretly is. And he was acting like he was Sonic, but trying to say that his other body was really nice. (laughs) <laughs> now, it seems that these episodes are mainly for entertainment, you know, to entertain an audience. Would you say there is a theme in each episode or over the entire series as a whole? Um, No, it's just random storylines that were really entertaining and it just kept your attention the whole time. Well, that's perfectly fine. And it seems like it was absolutely captivating, entertaining, as you said. And... Because there have been so many different Sonic the Hedgehog movies, TV shows, etc., do you think there should be more, or do you think uh, that it's time for you know creators to move on to a different character? I think they should keep going and adding on because it's really nice. But there's like they can like make probably an origin of Sonic or an origin of his friends like Knuckles, which I think would be really cool if they made that. You know, you're right. Why has no one made that? Out of all the origin stories we're getting, how come we never get origin stories for people like Sonic or Mario or anything? I think you just created one of the best ideas of the next decade. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and right now we're talking to Ethan about Sonic Boom Season 1 Volume 1. And right before the break, Ethan made one of the most groundbreaking ideas of the last 10 years. So if you want to hear that idea, make sure to watch that. But let's continue on. Now, I also want to know from you, what did you think of the voiceover work and the animation? Because this is, of course, an animated television show. Did you think it captured the characters and told the story in a realistic and entertaining way? It was really nice because I think each voice fit in perfectly with the character. Like, I think Sebastian played Knuckles. He actually sounded like someone who would be, like... It's hard to explain. It's just... You know, it kind of fit in. You know, in my opinion, casting directors who do voiceover films, you know, animated films where they have to get voiceover artists, they're the unsung heroes to figure out how a voice should sound for a character. They should be deep or they should be high-pitched. Like, the idea that there's somebody who can actually figure that out and just hear a voice and figure out who should be who, that's a really big talent, and I'm glad they were able to do that so well. And can you also talk a little bit about the length? Because these are television episodes, you know, slightly shorter format. Do you think that it kept to the length of each episode good? The story was entertaining and it never was a little bit too long or too short? I'm going to say this was probably one of the best 145 minutes I've ever experienced. 
I see. So is it kind of like in a movie format then? I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's just like different, like a movie kind of, but a different stories in a few minutes. I see. Interesting. So the, if there's this only, uh, stories in like a few minutes, how can they tell the story so short? Like, can you talk a little bit about just the development of the stories and a few of your favorites? Um, I have another favorite. It's, I think it's called Double Doomsday. So Dr. Eggman met a kid and the kid went into his lair and he wanted to work for Dr. Eggman. So, um, Dr. Eggman made him did chores because he was lazy and he didn't like the robots. So the kid got tired of doing chores and then he locked himself in a room and built a doomsday device. And then he told Dr. Eggman that his was going to do more damage to the world. So then Dr. Eggman made another doomsday device. So that's why they called it double doomsday device. And it happened like really quickly because it was just him how they met him, and then they quickly moved on, so he was in the lair, and then he got mad at doing the chores, and it just went really quick. You know, I think that's actually really smart to have some of the short stories, because of course, with, you know, YouTube and things like that, short stories are becoming really popular in film and TV, so I'm glad they were able to kind of adapt to that. And speaking to, you know, modern day, what do you think modern day kids would think of it? What do you think kids would think of it? And do you also think adults would like it? Because a lot of people have grown up with Sonic as a character in the video games that came out several decades before. So overall, how do you think it appeals to the wider audience? I think they like it because it's probably part of their childhood. And they'd really be like, wow, I used to watch this and now look how good it is now. And it's getting way better. So I should keep watching it. You know, I remember once, I don't remember how I did it, but I was playing one of the classic 3D Sonic the Hedgehogs. It was so weird looking. And now just seeing this new animations that they're coming up with so quickly for like Sonic Boom, for example, it's absolutely incredible. And I just love the progress we're making. And overall, how many stars would you give Sonic Boom Season 1 Volume 1? Five out of five stars. It was just obvious. Well, I think that's a perfect message to give to families everywhere. It seems like a great collection to have. Really captivating, really entertaining. Ethan, thank you so much for talking to me about it. Thank you for having me. Of course. For our audience, be sure to check out Sonic Boom Season 1, Volume 1. I'm your host, Jerry Ors. We're going to take a quick break. This week's show is sponsored by Merry Christmas, Llama Llama. a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirstfilmcritic.com. 
kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. On the Right Road with host Paula Phillips has arrived at Voice America. With remarkable heart and realness, this popular program brings inspiration, ideas, opportunities, and help to teachers and parents around the globe who work daily to guide kids on the right road in school and in life. Join the Right Road family of kindness, uplifting, and support. Tune in to On the Right Road, live every first and third Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Jojo Rabbit, Playing With Fire, Sonic Boom, and next we will be talking with Bella about Little Wolf Book of Badness. How are you doing, Bella? I'm doing great. Thank you. All right, so what exactly is the plot of Little Wolf Book of Badness? The plot is a little wolf, which is played by Alexander Pownall, so sorry if I said that wrong, who's very friendly and clever. But since he's so friendly and kind, his parents worry he's not up to his full potential, so they send him to a cunning college in Fredden Forest to learn the nine rules of badness from his uncle Big Bad, which is played by Michael Gambon. All right. So is this like a movie or a TV show? It's a pretty short movie. It's animated, and I just love the animation and the music. Oh, wow. Tell us about the music, then. The music is so realistic because when the scene is emotional, the music is emotional. And when the scene is dramatic, the music is dramatic. And I just love that part of the movie. Well, it's nice to hear this film has a good score. Looking up stuff about this, it seems that there, there's like a book. So like, is this adapted from a novel? Uh, yes, this is based on the book by Ian Wybrow, so sorry if I uh, mispronounced that. Have you read the original book? No, I haven't. I just watched the movie. Ah, uh, I see. What do you think about the acting in this film? The acting was really good. It really went along with the animation, and it was just amazing. I loved it so much. That's good to hear. Who would you say is your favorite voice actor in this film? My favorite voice actor has to be Alexander Pownall, who plays Little Wolf, because he very much like acts it out a lot. So when Little Wolf gets mad at Uncle Big Bad for something he does wrong, he just really acts it out and makes it seem so realistic. Well, that's nice to hear. 
What What do you think about the overall like characters in the film? Characters, they are very, very nice. They have really good voice acting abilities, and it just makes everything seem so realistic. What would you say is the moral of this film? The moral of this is to believe in yourself, to do what you believe in, and be true to yourself. Oh, that's nice to hear. So, uh, what would you say in terms of the star rating and age rating of this film? I give this DVD 5 out of 5 stars and recommend this to ages 5 to 10. Well, that's good to hear. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we've been talking about Jojo Rabbit, Playing With Fire, Sonic Boom, and Little Wolf, Book of Badness. Right now, I am talking about Dora and the Lost City of Gold with Celine. How are you doing, Celine? Good. How are you? I'm good. So, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, I hear, has a DVD coming now. Definitely. I'm so excited. I watched the movie, and I loved it, and now I'm so excited for the DVD to come out. What did you think overall of the film? I really loved it, but I really liked how it showed the original TV show for kids, and how she looked just like the animated Dora, but more teen-like and how she's grown up. And I loved Boots and Swiper and Map and Backpack. Those are my favorite characters. So it seems overall that this film is a, is a pretty faithful adaptation to the show, just from what I've heard. What, what do you think on that? I definitely agree with you. I definitely think so. Well, that's good to hear. I know live-action remakes of animated films are a kind of polarizing topic, and it's definitely one I've been invested with. So I am interested in hearing, like, about the way this film references the original show. Well, it references the original show in many ways. Like, it has lots of the same characters, but it added in lots of new characters, which is good. Like, they added, like, Diego. He, he... The way he looked as a teenager, I'm really surprised. What do you mean by surprised? Like he looked different that like different than I expected him to be. He looks more teen like like cuz they're, they're in LA. She went from the city and now she's exploring high school in LA. Oh, so you just mean like he didn't really look like how you expected him to look. Yeah, but I really thought that he looked really good and I felt that it make, made it more like different and it showed like 2019 now and then because like when he was a little boy it's like he's out in the jungle and then when you get to city life it's all electronics buildings cities cars and it was so different for dora because she's never been to that before you know the way you describe how this film sort of deals with modern times it's very interesting i haven't seen the film so i I have no idea what exactly the film deals with. Are, it kind of sounds like you're implying this film goes for a natural versus technological route. Is that accurate to say? Uh, a little bit, but more adventurous and live action for sure. Well, that's interesting. Are you really familiar with like the Dora cartoon? For sure. I grew up watching that TV show. 
Yeah, I have vague memories of watching it as a kid. So I, I'm not exactly an expert on Dora, but I am interested in hearing about this film. And what would you say the star rating and age rating is? Definitely four out of five stars. And the age range, I would say, is seven to 12. Interesting. And now you can pick up a DVD of this film. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.com. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on press for kids kidsworlds.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Merry Christmas Llama Llama. I'm Calissa Best from Los Angeles, California. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye! Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.